Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, and today we'll be talking about building a scrum team. We've spoken about scrum a couple of times. That includes, if you want to go back to episode 23, we talk about scrum, Kanban, and prioritization. I'm sure there are other instances where we spoke about scrum, but today we're going to get in depth into scrum. Building a team, we're going to define what is scrum and what are the key principles and players and terms that you want to know to to implement scrum we have a guest i am here with blake DeBoer. how's it going blake it's great blake tell us a little bit about yourself i've been a software engineer for a little over four years i uh, worked for two and a half years at a dev shop and then the last year and a half i've been at stride worked in both waterfall software development processes and also um, for agile teams and last two clients have been agile transformations and implementing a formal scrum process so seeing kind of the before and afters and the pros and cons of the different processes awesome so you got a sense of building it from the ground up yeah yeah oh. I've done that a couple of times and felt the pain along the way <laughs> well we'll get right to it so for our listeners can you define what is scrum so scrum is an agile framework there's a lot of ceremonies associated with scrum people usually look to the artifacts of Scrum as, as what Scrum is. But Scrum is, like I said, an Agile framework. And all the Agile software development really is, is a series of four values and 12 principles. Something like one of the Agile values is um, people and process, uh, people over uh, process and tools. Mm-hmm. There's also like three pillars of Scrum that usually aren't talked about a lot, but re- really reinforce the reason why all of those scrum ceremonies take place and it it drives from empirical empiricism like in empirical research and those are um, transparency inspection and adaptation awesome so we have the three pillars of scrum yep and we're going to tackle them one at a time okay so let's go over the transparency pillar could you tell us a little bit about that yeah so Again, it, it comes Scrum really like focus takes this empirical approach, a uh, scientific approach to the way we work. And one of the most important parts, uh, if you're doing some scientific study or experiment, is you want to have good data to look at right. to see how you're working. So in Scrum, like transparency is is really important. So there's transparency at several levels. There's transparency in terms of a board of we are going to visualize all of the work that the team's doing. Mm-hmm. And that not only helps the team see where they're working or where bottlenecks might be, it also helps stakeholders, product owners, people outside the company. Right. They can see, oh, I see that the team's working on this. Right. We also have transparency in the backlog. So like we can, again, see a visualization of all the work that needs to be done. And we can see, we can attach business value to each of these pieces of work. We can attach cost to each piece of the work. Right. And presumably, like if you have one person who has a, a perfect idea of the value and uh, ideally like the perfect time cost associated with that work, they can make rational decisions about we should do this first and then we should do this and then we should do this. Right. Like you can see if you break up the work into multiple different features that you want to introduce to your user base, you can determine, okay, we're going to start with this particular feature because we see that users are really suggesting or recommending this one thing. Then we're going to start working on this other thing. And if the 
feedback that you got from the first feature is actually a lot more successful, then the business can make a decision to continue working on that feature next or introducing new features outside of the first one. Right. And, and they have transparency, right? They, they, like they, they see the team, what the team is working on so they can you know, redirect their focus. And they also have well, the transparency you're talking about is like the transparency and like, are users using this? Do they, right. do they like this? And that's kind of even like outside of Scrum, but that, but the same idea applies. And too often, like the, the anti-pattern that happens a lot in companies is teams will do work and there will be stakeholders, but they're operating independently of each other. Right. And the, the, the team's going ahead and doing the work and they just get lots of requests from different people and they just try to juggle it and take their best guess as to what work needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And, and no one's actually looking at the big picture and saying, oh, why are we spending all this time doing this thing right. that doesn't have that much value when we could do some of this that has a whole lot of value? Right. Blake, you mentioned earlier, so number number one was transparency. Number two is inspection. Could inspection. You, could you elaborate on that? Yeah, definitely. So, and, and we kind of touched on parts of this process already because this is, all these things tie back to each other. But right. second part, when you're thinking about being scientific about the way we work is after you have this data, like, let's actually look at it. Like, let's literally do like some inspection and see what needs to change. One of the most obvious ways that that's done in Scrum is through a retrospective. So at the end of a sprint and real quick, sprint is a time box period of time where you uh, a team commits to doing X amount of work in a time box period of time. Right. At the end of that sprint, you will have a team retrospective and you will look back at the sprint and you will literally inspect how did we do? How is our process going? And that also ties into adaptation, which we can talk about where you actually like improve on your process. Right. Inspection also happens at like another level at sprint review is like a, is a great time and, and is probably the most pure example of inspection happening on the team. So at the end of the two weeks, right before you do the retro, you have your sprint um, review ceremony. Right. And that could be either the product owner demoing to stakeholders or the team demoing to product owner. I mean, the the ideal is a product owner demoing to the the stakeholders. And at that time, like the stakeholders will say, oh, this is great. Uh, Oh, you missed something here. Or, oh, Mm -hmm. this gives me an idea. Maybe we can do this. And that's like literally inspection that you're having like into the work. Like, let's look at this working software. Right. And everyone and everyone as a team and as an organization gets a chance to inspect the work that gets done. Yes. Awesome. Final pillar that keeps the scrum standing stable is adaptation. I think adaptation just sounds like something we both mentioned throughout explaining mm-hmm. the other two where... You know, you look at the feedback that you get from the retrospectives and things that worked and things that didn't work and you adapt to continue doing the good things and discontinue using the bad things. Is that correct? Yes, okay. that, that's true. And it's it's easier said than done. And we can talk about how do you actually like make sure that you're creating um, good action items out of your retrospective that actually get done and change actually happens. I see. Um, it's really easy for a retro to everyone to come in, like, let's talk about this, let's talk about that. Like, oh yeah, we should do some of this, we should do some of that. And then uh, retro ends and you, you start your next print and nothing's really going to change. Yeah, no action items actually get ex- actioned yeah. or like gets executed rather and it's just, yeah. it just sits in some p- bucket. Yeah. I see. 
Yeah, I mean, it does take some, some like, I don't want to say willpower, but it takes, like, some energy to, you know, keep people accountable to ensure that we're adapting to good behavior. Yeah, so we can, if we want to talk about, like, implementation and, like, how to do Scrum well, we can get into some of the details on that. Before we get into that, I wanted to ask if there were any specific equipment that is needed in order to have a viable Scrum team. So that is... Yes. The short answer is yes. What actual equipment is required uh, is up for interpretation. Uh, Scrum doesn't make any prescriptions as to exactly the equipment that's needed. But what you need is you need a a physical or you need a backlog. (laughs) I already slipped up and said physical. It doesn't matter if it is physical or in a digital format, use some project management software. You also need a board to track the work that's being done. So you right. need to have a board that on the left-hand side, and this is, again, either physical or digital, here are all our stories that we want to do. Here is the the stories that we're, we're working on right now, and, and this is the work that's completed. Right. Well, yeah, like pillars that we, that they're like workflows that everyone can know and understand where people currently are in that particular unit of work. Yes. And that sounds a lot like transparency that we just talked about. So. Right. But I, I mean, I guess your team physical. So I I am. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's just my upbringing. Okay. No, no I mean, it uh, makes sense. I can see the, the benefits of having a physical wall. Yeah. And again, this ties back to one of the uh, agile values. I actually misstated one of the agile values earlier when I, I said uh, people and people, I think I said people over uh, process and tools. It's actually individuals and interactions over process and tools. Slight twist on that. But the physical wall uh, helps encourage that. Um, right. When you are at a, a standup and you're huddled around a physical wall together, there is more interaction and it, it also, I'm a fan of it from a visibility standpoint. And if you have literally like this thing posted onto a wall, it's very, very visible, way more visible than logging onto a screen, right. which is another big benefit. Uh, drawback being um, it's harder. It's not, it's a little more cumbersome to calculate your velocity or do a burn down chart or right. something like that. So there, there are trade-offs. The other big trade-off is if you have remote members on your team, getting an accurate live up-to-date status of what the scrum board looks like is is harder i've seen some teams do a hybrid which is actually works pretty well where you have your stories in some software project management tool but the individual tasks for those are on a board oh interesting so you your stories have the points and you can calculate all your burn down charts and if you're remote like you can see like the the general overall progress uh, you just don't get like the small task level view so i see there's there's trade offs there's a debate for a reason because yeah. there's not like an obvious solution so. yeah i mean in a lot of the clients that i've worked on there's always there's always some form of digital board there's always somebody's got to load up the jira right (laughs) or trello yeah but in the places that i've worked have had physical walls it's like really engaging to you know stand in front of the of the Mm -hmm. wall and know everything that's happening yeah and and one other thing i'll i'll say that i've I've enjoyed with physical walls is you can do whatever whatever you want (laughs) (laughs) like like there's a you don't need to say like oh well like uh Trello doesn't let you put this in that column. <laughs> you can literally put 
things wherever you want, make yeah. them as big or small with as much detail as like, yeah. so, and it's really fast. Like yeah. how much effort does it take to literally pick up a sticky note and like move it one foot? Oh yeah. Do that on Jira. That probably is, something's gonna happen. You gotta refresh the page. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Jira. Um, yeah, they yeah, use yeah, it everywhere, no. but it's it's, it's it's tough. Yeah. No. I mean, it, <laughs> but like, yes, there are trade offs. Like, it does provide value. Like, yeah. feel like it's easy for like looking back over historic data on, right. on things. Like, there are some nice benefits to it. It's it's trash. But I, what I've seen work well is teams start off with a physical board. Yeah. Learn like the best practices, and right. then and then move into a digital tool. So we we have an we have an idea of what Scrum is and and all the tools necessary and the pillars that keep Scrum up and stable, but we want to implement it in real life. I know that there are you know once you have the process and the team buy in to do it, you got to adapt and you have yeah. to like start using you know certain processes. Is there one that comes to mind that you want to like discuss right oh, now? Man, so there's a lot of uh, small processes that you take to do scrum well just like glossing over that you have uh your definition of done for what what does it mean for a story to be completely done you have acceptance criteria which are particular to that story you even have user stories user stories is actually not something that's like in the scrum guide per se but typically get like associated with scrum there's a like a lot of your main ceremonies are stand up retro sprint planning and uh also product backlog refinement right and stand up is a more slang term scrum specifically calls it the daily scrum okay so wait stand up is the slang for the daily scrum i'm calling it slang i don't know (laughs) i mean it's just a different term yeah Yeah, i mean but like that's what it is that's what people usually know it as right if you if you go to the scrum guide uh it will say daily scrum is is what it is but those yeah, those are all things, but there's a lot of work putting that into place with a new team. And these processes like can be read a lot about, and I don't think like we need to go into all of that detail of what those are um, in great lengths. But one thing that we've seen, like being at two teams that's, that adopted Scrum, right? where everyone has different reactions to this. <laughs> yeah. It is, is not a natural process. Mm-hmm. People naturally like to plan way, way in advance Mm -hmm. and people aren't used to like, they don't just naturally fall into writing user stories and having retros and all that stuff. So you're putting like a lot of process in place that feels like a lot of overhead at first. Right. You need to understand where people are and where the team is at and have time to get feedback on that. Right. I've seen teams that have Scrum just thrown at them and like little room for like let's like have some feedback about oh it. wow okay yeah so like people are like almost forced to do hey we have to do this thing now <laughs> yeah and like, or at least it, it feels that way like they don't and i've also seen processes where it's like this is the direction we're going but let's talk about it a lot which I think is like the more scrum way to approach yeah, it, right? Get yeah. some some open conversation yes. about how you want to do things. Yes, and like that's that's really important. You have to understand like where where people are right now, and like yeah. meet meet them there, and and like see the current process and respect that, and like and right. not just say, oh, you, the the old way was just total garbage. Like yeah. let's let's see what wasn't working one thing that i've seen work really well is like okay like on that note before let's 
before we talk about like all the scrum setup and all this stuff, let's talk about like the problems that the team is having and right. and waste. Yeah. And like I've seen great exercise done about identifying waste mm-hmm. and and saying, okay, now that we've identified all these areas, how can we look at this scrum process that we're looking at implementing and like how can this actually like improve it? So like, right. a, a, probably an example would be helpful. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even what even as a team gets introduced into Scrum, you have to start implementing some Scrum, right? Like yes. you, there has to be some transparency as to why you're doing this. Yes. Why are we about to step into this new process? And you can bring all the benefits, the benefits that we mentioned before. Then the adaptation part comes in where people may be uncomfortable to adapt. And that's why, that's why you have retros, right? Because it's to talk about the pain points of the process and the good points of the process and get all that fixed up. I think one thing that we might have like just was in the essence of what you were describing earlier is the team itself has to have trust in one another mm. to ensure that like scrum is going to work. Right, like you have to trust that you know your team members are doing the best that they can with the tools that they have and in the times that they needed to get the work done. That was a very, very off the cuff retrospective prime directive, but that's what like you need to have that trust with one another to ensure that you that everyone in the team is building the best thing that they can possibly do at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed, and that trust is vital to scrum working well because think about it you're doing you're, you're you're putting a lot of transparency into this process now if people aren't used to that they're gonna say whoa okay now you can see on this physical wall right here like how much time i'm spending on this task like i i don't know i mean i i thought that you know like mr xyz over there like really didn't think i was doing a good job like, yeah. i don't think i really want this on the wall now <laughs> yeah and then we're gonna inspect it and then we're yeah. gonna change like, yeah so that that actually gets into something that jeff sutherland talks about in his book um scrum the art of i think it's, it, it's got a long subtitle it's like the art of doing twice the work in half the time there you go Everybody wants to do that. <laughs> yeah, if that's not it, it yeah. should be that. Just yeah. letting you know. It, it's a hook. It'll yeah. get you. Um, <laughs> but he talks about the importance of looking at the process over people right? And, and, and how important that, and that goes right hand in hand with trust. So when you're, when you're retrospecting on how the sprint went and things, if things are going well, like sure, like give a shout out to, you know, so-and-so like they did yeah. a great job this sprint. If things aren't going well and maybe someone like kind of missed something, like something slipped through the cracks, like look at the process, not the person. That's that's really important. Uh, Sutherland, we won't get into it, but Sutherland cites several um, really interesting like psychology studies about like under the right conditions, people can do really stupid things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like if you have the right process and you can be like, why did that person do that? Well, look at their incentives or like look at why they're like set up for that. It could be it could be a poorly QA'd or tested feature because they were getting pressure from some other team to make sure right. that this work gets done. And uh, you know, Bobby's been up since twelve AM midnight, working eighteen hours trying to get this feature done. And yeah, people will do crazy things. I for one have done a lot of crazy things in my time. Yeah, yeah. So so that that, that trust is really important. Uh, when you when you're starting to put your process under a microscope, you need to uh, be comfortable with saying like 
okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And no one is going to be like looking at this individual person is like messing up or something like that. Right. Um, and I'll just add it real quick about trust. It also happens at the, at the stakeholder level and, and, right. and the product owner level. I mean, the more that you can like incrementally every, say your sprints two weeks, every two weeks deliver working software, you're going to build trust with your stakeholders. Right. And they will, and, and the more you can say at the end of the sprint review, like, okay, we delivered features A and B and right. uh, next sprint we're going to do C and D. Mm-hmm. And then when you deliver on that, oh man, I mean, when you start building that kind of relationship, like they yeah. really start trusting you. And, and then you're not, there might be, Sometimes in teams, a uh, pressure to say, oh, we really need to perform and do all this. But if you can just break that down and say, okay, we're not about committing to six months from now. Right. We're com- committing from two weeks from now. And let me just build that thing for two weeks and show you that. Right. And then, like in another two weeks, I'm going to show you this next thing. And like, that's the way that you can build trust. Yeah. I mean, I think demos is definitely a good way to do that. Yeah. Just like, oh, you know. That that thing was pretty hard, but look how much they've accomplished and the things that they worked in. Yeah, absolutely. For it to work, for Scrum to work, I think, as you mentioned before, Blake, the team should be ready and be able to get buy-in on this new process that they have to do. There has to be trust across the board. We have, there's an episode, there's an episode, dropping, dropping, there's an episode of The Rabbit Hole, <laughs> episode 67, Building Trust. I think we have a very extensive conversation on mm. what that means and how to do that effectively. Uh, so go check it out if you haven't. But when you do have Scrum, mm-hmm. I guess the question is like, there there has to be a balance from like what is working for the team in Scrum mm-hmm. and then like what isn't. Is there, do you, in the past couple of times that you implement the Scrum, did you follow it to the T or is there like some things that you would change that are a little different? Uh, that's that's a really good question. You need to be able to be flexible, I think, is really important. You stick to it, to the T as much as possible. And I'll get into the why in a mm-hmm. second. To the extent that you're not losing, again, trust or, or buy-in right. with the team. Right. If you say, we are doing this like no matter what, like, and, and people are not on board, what's the point? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is not going to work. <laughs> yeah. It's just not like the, yeah. you need the, the team to do the thing. Like if they're not on board, they're not going to do the thing. So you could say all that you want, but I'll say like, I'm a fan of trying to get there as much as possible because I've seen teams slip up and, and, and slide away and say, well, we don't really need to do this. So we don't really need to do that. And and you realize like oh well this is this is there for a reason and, right. it, and each kind of each scrum ceremony each artifact of scrum uh, kind of is there for a reason and builds on each on each other and right. if you use them all together it's like a multiplier effect I mean yeah. for example like I I've been on teams going back to retrospectives like where a team uh, is is not not visualizing action items out of a uh, retro. And they're just like, mm. yeah, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll get to them. And like, we used to do it, but we don't really do that anymore. Yeah. You know, it's been a little <laughs> while. And like, oh, why do our retros feel stale? Why does it feel like we're just like talking, not doing anything? Oh, it's because we're not. So yeah. like we, if you start to actually, like one of the big things I'm a fan of with action items is you slap them on the top of your board as like the highest priority thing. And like they're oh, there and prominent. And also, like a big fan of uh, smart goals. Was it uh, you know the active specific it, it, measurable? 
There's, yeah, achievable, uh, achievable re- relevant, relevant, time bound. There you go. There's an yeah. episode on that too. Yeah, we got one of those. <laughs> sure. So, like, I'm a big, big, big fan of that as well. Like, let's actually make this action item like actually actionable and not yeah. some vague thing that we don't know. So that's just one example of like when you kind of like let your process go a little bit, like you'll see a drop off most likely. But I'm also a big fan of not doing things just for the sake of doing them. Like, right. Like if you're if you're continuing to do something and this is like there's no point to doing this. Right. Stop. Don't right. do it. So like like being as strict as possible and then finding things to yeah. shave off whenever. Yeah. yeah. But I think yeah, I think that way just work because if you're already cutting things as you're starting, then you're not gonna see the benefit Ex- as to why they're there. Right. This exactly. is process has been happening for many years now exactly. people have perfected it and yeah. written books and literature and all sorts of stuff right. about scrum blake DeBoer, ladies and gentlemen do you have any texts you want to refer to people so they can learn more about scrum yeah two resources that i learned a lot from was one i already mentioned it uh, jeff sutherland's book on scrum uh it's called scrum I think I said it earlier, the art of doing twice the work in half the time. Yeah. And the other one is a pretty obvious one. It's just the Scrum Guide uh, you can find online. I think it's like the scrumguide.com or .org or something like that. Just look it up. It's top result. It's Scrum Guide gets into the, the nuts and bolts. I touched on some of like what is a sprint, product backlog, all those kind of phrases and words that you hear in Scrum. Right. Goes through a very good detail about that right um, but it's it's not long it's like 17 pages but the the scrum book is really interesting because it gets into more of the theory and the why and the history of scrum and like where it comes from which is pretty interesting stuff awesome follow us now on twitter at radio free rabbit so we can keep the conversation going like what you hear give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole and never miss an episode Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.